Ba-dum, bum, 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 bum. That's the music. <laughs> okay, well, we could just, I was waiting. I can't remember the rest. Well, I guess we'll have to use the actual theme song then. <laughs> Welcome to On the Wet Coast, a podcast about sexuality and ethical non-monogamy of every variety. We talk polyamory and swinging, monogamish and open relationships, from dirty, dirty sex to heartbreak. We share our personal experiences and philosophy, observations and theories, what works for us, and where we fucked it right up. Join us on the Wet Coast. Jealousy is a complex emotion that usually arises when we feel threatened or like we're not getting our needs met. It is almost always the reason people cite when they state that they couldn't ever be non-monogamous, yet plenty of non-monogamous and polyamorous people experience jealousy regularly. The various circumstances that lead to jealousy tend to shift the longer people have lived in open relationships, from sexual jealousy to that over deepening intimacy or relationship milestones. Sometimes it is even very person-specific, cropping up only with regards to one partner or only one of their partners. I'm Kat Stark, and on this episode of On the Wet Coast, Flick Morrison and I revisit jealousy with regards to compersion, metamors, NRE, relationship milestones, and why rules can't solve jealousy. Hello. Hey there. <laughs> so jealousy was the thing that uh, sort of started this whole podcasting journey for us. It is. Uh, our first ever podcast was on jealousy. And we we recorded that for the uh, Gentle Pervert Social Club podcast. So it was like a backdoor pilot. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and yeah, we thought it was worth revisiting because it's it's something that comes up a lot, and it's still you know a question people always ask about open relationships. And yeah, it was also just one of our really popular episodes, so it's it's good to go and, and look at that kind of material again, because clearly people are interested in it. Well, and it's also interesting to maybe uh, think about uh, what's changed for us in the realm of, of jealousy and, and what's, what hasn't changed over the past three years. Yeah, it definitely, there are some things that are so different, the reactions that we have and other things. Yeah, it's just the same old story. Yeah. You know, and, and it's funny because it it seems like we've we've been through so much, but really we're st- we're still kind of just babies in yeah. non-monogamy. I mean, we've um, we've been, what is it? It is it over three years or is it? Yeah, we're coming up almost to four. Almost to four. Okay, well we're we're wily veterans now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to be absolutely uh, transparent, this is also our second take of doing <laughs> this re-record of the jealousy uh, because we had some serious audio issues and I just could not bring myself to release the other episode with the sound quality it had. Um, And although this one's getting some pretty great beard scratching. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But but I couldn't bring myself to release the other audio. It was just, it sounded too terrible. And so we've spent the afternoon fighting with microphones and programs and hopefully we've got something that has good audio and if it doesn't we're sorry (laughs) and this is just what you get yeah this is this is it (laughs) we are we're releasing this okay what is jealousy well um jealousy is actually 
kind of um, complicated and and controversial. I think everyone has some idea what we're talking about when you bring up the word jealousy, but there's um, we're we're kind of talking more exclusively about romantic and sexual jealousy because you know this is a sex and relationship podcast. Yeah, for sure. And we're we're not going to try to define it too rigorously because we can end up you know, quibbling about semantics and, you know, we'll get messages from people, well, you that doesn't cover this yeah. particular facet of, of jealousy. So um, we're just broadly talking about what's really a whole emotional galaxy of different feelings in the neighborhood of fear, anger, protectiveness, insecurity, uh, in particular around um, one of our partners and their relationship with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we are differentiating it uh, in this in this episode from envy. Um, they're two very similar emotions, and they're often used interchangeably in language. Um, but just if we are using the word specifically in this episode, what we mean is is basically envy is when we want something someone else has. Uh, whereas jealousy means we want something and we maybe don't want that other person to have it. Well, what's, yeah. And, and it's, uh, it's actually fairly common in non-monogamy for people to, to make envy distinct from jealousy because, because, you know, uh, it's so nuanced and specific. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it also helps to, um, to avoid overusing jealousy Mm-hmm. So that, you know, when, because it, sometimes it feels better to say, oh, I'm, I'm envious of this because, yeah. uh, in a way you're almost express, expressing something positive that like, oh, this is so great that you get to have that. I wish I was having that too. It's like FOMO. Um, yeah. and, uh, but, um, sort of jealousy light, it's jealousy light. But what's interesting is, is that, uh, envy is like, I wish I was getting that thing with jealousy, you you might not even want that thing. Partners may actually mm. not even have a sexual relationship because, you know, it's just kind of um, eroded over a long-term relationship. Um, but they, they might not want their partner to have sex with anybody else, even though yeah. they're not having sex with them. So jealousy is a drive that is often about... Um, you know, about what our partner's getting, even if it's something we don't want, you know, and, uh, and that kind of speaks to some of the elements of jealousy we're going to talk about later, which is, um, how our partner's relationship with somebody else is different, how those things can be triggering. So if they're, even if they're getting something that we don't like, like whether it's kink or some sex act or, uh, or even some form of intimacy, like cuddling, if we're not into cuddling or, you know, or watching TV together, uh, we can still experience jealousy about those things, even though we don't like them. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, I mentioned that it's it's a controversial subject, and that's because uh, scientifically there's, there's sort of uh, competing ideas about what jealousy is. Um, so, uh, some sociologists... Uh, consider it to be very culturally specific. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, biologists also like to point to some of the, the biological drives that appear to be universal or cross culture. So, um, you know, I, I, I personally think that it's both that there are, there are things that are universal, but the, I think that the, the seriousness of jealousy and how much, 
um, how much weight we give it, yeah. how, our, how we treat our partners when we feel jealous. I think I think those things are culturally informed uh, and largely, you know, a matter of like uh, personality and and how we and choices that we make about what those things mean. Yeah, for sure, that makes so much sense because you know, in different cultures, jealousy is treating treated so differently. Mm-hmm. And I think with how repressed we are about our feelings, um, you know, all of our feelings in northern North America, I think jealousy often is 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 tamped down in this way that leads it to have these big flare ups. And that that culturally driven thing is 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 much like it sort of takes those biological drives of of like oh I feel threatened you know this this thing that I need for protection or whatever is is being um, you know encroached upon but you know the the messages that we take from that and and the way that we interpret it and act on it um, comes from that lovely repressed North American attitude I I, I think. Th- I think there's an element to that, but I think that some of it is kind of the opposite in that jealousy is is something that we give people permission to express and uh, and in fact really empower people to uh, to express you know anger and you know and um, and the sort of self righteousness of, mm. of jealousy. It's it's actually way more acceptable for somebody to express uh, anger and jealousy than to than to actually request something of their partner. So yeah, jealousy can be a point. mechanism of control. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it's just a very common uh, kind of passive aggressive means of trying to get our, our needs met. And and I think that like um, I think like a lot of fear based emotions uh, when it's when it's indulged in that way, it it grows. As you do, you don't alleviate jealousy by indulging it. Mm. You, it actually um, because it get that creates you know positive reinforcement for mm. the the jealousy. The, the jealousy can um, can then be sort of more severe and get get uh, more controlling. Hmm. And and because it is such a fear based emotion, as you were saying. Um, it can be about imaginary things. Right. Um, people often get jealous of their partner about things that they're making up in their heads. Uh, like or, they have an attractive, uh, you know, coworker, yeah. or, or you know, or a, a high school friend, or yeah, something. a close yeah. friend of of the gender that that person is attracted to, or yeah. genders, um, and uh, that can be this like imaginary threat. They're spending time together. What's this about? They're texting. Um, it or it can also be a legitimate kind of um, situation, especially in non-monogamy, because we see the reality of attractions to other people. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not imaginary. We know that our partner wants to fuck that person because they told us, yes. and they're you know, they're... and they're possibly fucking that other person. <laughs> um, it, because the the threats around jealousy can be uh, imaginary. Uh, jealousy is often a force for gaslighting. Yes. So where um, 
if if I feel jealous, I might project a lot of meaning to your behavior that just isn't there. That makes you sort of you know question how you how you behaved and um, you know and and uh, and sort of how. Uh, your actual memory of how you how you behaved and what your motivations were, mm-hmm. and it, that that can go the opposite way as well. Like, oh yeah, you know you know that's not what I was you were seeing, you know, and and sort of rewriting that. Yeah, what's wrong that, with you that you're imagining this this attraction, you know, and yeah, and, it's and, just nothing. Yeah, and um, yeah, so that can that can go both directions with that and. You know, we're so conditioned to mistrust our intuition that, you know, it's really hard to express those kinds of fears um, because we don't want to come across as needy, as, you know, the worst of all sins. (laughs) How dare I have needs? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, you're not allowed to express your needs. You just have to, you know, um, uh, hint and, and, uh, and cry about Yes. Them until I, I figure them out. Exactly. <laughs> the way nature intended. <laughs> yeah. Jealous, uh, jealousy is extremely feared. And, you know, and we see, we can see why. Like, it, uh, it, can, it can end relationships. Yeah. Whether the, the, the subject of the jealousy is, is real or not. Uh, or because someone's jealousy is, is out of control and, and eroding our connection mm-hmm. um, and you know, and, and then also the violence that's precipitated by people who feel, yes. who feel uh, entitled to, to control their, their partner's body. Um, and it, like you mentioned at the top of the show, it's, it's almost everyone's greatest fear about non-monogamy, yes. right? It's like, well, what if you get jealous? And it's yeah. like, I, I was plenty jealous when we were monogamous. Like, yes, we, yeah. It's not like monogamy is some sort of magic anti-jealousy, um, you know, band-aid or whatever. Um, you know, yeah, like think of how many relationships are destroyed by jealousy in monogamous yeah. relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, and because of because it's a lot of the uh, the things that we just discussed, sort of the the uh, toxic elements in relationships uh, that that can be caused by you know by poorly expressed jealousy, uh, it can be vilified in open relationships yes. and in sort of the non monogamy and sex positive communities. Yeah, for sure. It, it's like you know there, and there sometimes is this attitude of like that. That we're beyond jealousy. Yeah, yeah that we're evolved. Yeah, as polyamorous people, um, yeah, we don't we don't feel that, and it's just simply not true because you know we feel it. There might be the occasional person that that doesn't feel it, and I'm always kind of suspicious when someone tells me they don't ever get jealous. I sort of feel like they're maybe you know repressing something, but maybe they're not. Um, <laughs> but it also does not like having jealous feelings does not mean that you are not capable of being non-monogamous oh yeah 100 percent um which a lot of people seem to think yeah. like yeah they think that will disqualify me oh, yeah. it's like it's like oh you know i feel like i want to do that but i'd get so jealous and it's like well yeah a lot a lot of people do <laughs> yeah i i would uh, i'm guessing that to some extent, everybody experiences jealousy. Oh yeah, and you know, and maybe maybe it's not very often, and maybe it's not very acute. And I think that like if 
if you don't tend to be someone who's who's jealous, uh, when it does come up, it, it can probably take you by surprise, uh, you know, or if, yes. or if you, if you used to be someone who's jealous and you haven't experienced it in a while, uh, you know, having, having jealousy prop, uh, having jealousy pop up unexpectedly, yeah. uh, it, yeah, it can really sucker punch you. Yeah. And I, I'm thinking, you know, to the situation where it, it literally knocked me to my knees um, at a time that I thought that I wasn't jealous. And it was mm-hmm. like, you know, early-ish in our, uh, when we were being non-monogamous and, and we were having a threesome with Hot Mama. And I saw the connection that the two of you had forged together that I was feeling like the outsider suddenly. And, you know, whereas previously all the exploration we'd been doing was either completely individually or we'd been doing it together. So it was yours and my connection, you know, with a person that we were that we were involving and and figuring out like as three, this was suddenly like me outside. And yeah, I like just kind of hit the floor because I was just so overwhelmed by this emotion and and like the you know the sucker punch to the gut that some people describe or for me it's usually just this sick just dropping kind of feeling in my stomach that's just like this toxic like feel flow of something or other um that yeah like it 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 can be quite a shock and it really was yeah and and i think that there are that there are kind of two different distinct responses to to uh, jealousy one is is that initial response that's mm-hmm. very physical and you know and it it might feel like you're you know uh, the breath has been su- sucked out of you you might feel you might feel faint um might sort of feel feel your uh, your heart racing your blood pounding you know it's sort of uh panic attack type responses mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's the the secondary response, which is you know sort of the thoughts that you have about yeah. it and the meaning that you 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 uh, you have about it, and um, and those can be very different. You might yes. actually have that initial punch to the sternum, and then you're like, oh no, wait, this is this is fine, yeah. and be completely over it. Yeah. Or the opposite, you might you might not actually have a sharp response to that you might just kind of have a, a weird little pinch and be kind of yeah. like, oh. And then as you kind of think about it, it kind of builds. Yeah. And you know, and it, as you as you have the thoughts and feelings about it, the the uh, you know you realize this is actually kind of a significant thing, and you you might need to figure out what it is that uh, that you need to talk about and uh, to get those needs met. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you sometimes will then like generate the story of why you're feeling it. Yes, and that can can lead to you know sort of elaborate feelings that that may not even necessarily have anything to do <laughs> with what is going on. No, it's true. Sometimes that that secondary stage is a creative process yes. rather than one of of self analysis. Yeah. So let's talk about metamors. So metamors, that's your partner's partner. Yeah. Not you. I mean, you're your partner's <laughs> partner, but partner's <laughs> partners that are not you. Yes. Though you would be a metamor to your partner's partners. <laughs> but you can't be your own metamor. You can't. Well, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we're, we're kind of losing the thread here. <laughs> so um, I, I feel like... Um, some people have very specific ideas about 
what type of relationship their metamorphs have to have with them. Yes. And, uh, you know, and, and, and it kind of speaks to sort of their, uh, their values and the type of kind of, uh, the type of open relationship that they have. Yes. And so some people may insist on meeting all their metamorphs. That's actually fairly common, especially if people have a veto yes. arrangement in their, in, in some of their relationships, you know, you have to know the person to know whether you want to veto them or not. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's even stronger than that where it's like, well, uh, we're a package deal. If you have a sexual relationship with my partner, you also have to have a sexual relationship with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, or there's, there's something in the middle where, you know, uh, I think they call it like a uh, kitchen table, uh, polyamory where we, we need to be able to, you know, uh, sit down and have meals together and talk and, you know, kind of have, uh, be able to have a, uh, you know, a cordial relationship or if not a, you know, a really, you know, warm and welcoming one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and sometimes jealousy can really be alleviated by meeting, uh, the partners of your partners, uh, you know, you can just like meet them and you feel connected and you're like, Oh, I get why, you know, they're into them. And you just like, you feel better and, and, and much happier about the connection. And other times it can make it a lot worse. It might be that you then feel threatened by, <laughs> you know, that who they are, what they represent, whether, you know, they're, wow, yeah, they're so tall. They're, they're so tall. They're so cool. They're younger than me. They're, you know, factor more than me um and you know you might think that like you see them with with your partner and think wow they're i think they're a better fit Mm. um they have more things in common like all of these things can crop up so you know meeting meeting them can can go completely one way or the other as far as uh as far as that that jealous feelings or it might be that you don't actually really like them (laughs) or you know just don't get what your partner sees in them and then you can maybe you know fold that back on yourself to think like do they have bad judgment and does that mean that picking me was also bad judgment and and that can can lead down a whole other uh path of weird feelings yeah it's um and one of the things that to keep in mind is that we, you know, even if we meet our metamors, we really don't know them. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, and that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm very wary about the, the idea of a, of a veto is that, um, if I'm, if I'm meeting, if I'm meeting other partners of yours, um, I might not really be aware of, uh, of some of the, some of the kind of resents my resentments I have comparing myself to them yes, and instead read it as something that is wrong with them because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because I, I, you know, really, I just want to try to drive a wedge between you. And so I, I might subconsciously justify, you know, Oh, they're, um, you know, they're, they're, they're toxic. I don't think they're a good partner for you. I think I'm, I might, I'm considering using my veto um, when really it's it's something that's threatening to to you to to me, and uh, and I'm using the veto as a as a way of coping with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we you know we're making these judgments from from the outside of the relationship. Like yes. you, you don't see 
what the intimacy of the relationship really looks like and 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 you know what goes on within it even if you you know talk to your partner a lot and and get a certain amount of information you're still not in it so there's so much that you don't see and it's really hard to make really accurate assessments um of well, those and, relationships and and we may not we may not get the best version of our metamor yeah. they they might be uneasy meeting us they might yeah. be you know they might be nervous and you know and kind of come off come off uh as obnoxious because they're they're on edge and yeah. they're they're trying really hard um they might they might be reading our coldness and like trying to kind of um you know uh navigate that and yeah. so, uh, so so yeah it it can be a complicated situation and uh you know and, and i think um I think it's really up to up to everyone to decide what kind of relationship they're going to have with their metamor. Yeah. So um, I don't uh, I don't really think it's fair to to um, uh, to put yourself forward as a as a package deal if if you're um, if you're dating separately, kind of you know using one partner as sort of the oh, yeah. the the you know the the way in. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, I think it's nice if, if people can meet their metamors, but if people are uncomfortable with that, you know, I think, I think that's okay too. Yeah, for sure. And, and one of the ways that I have often alleviated some of the jealousy I've felt about people you've been dating is, is to ask you about them and ask you about the relationship and ask you to tell me like the good things that that you get out of that relationship and you know how how they make you feel and like just like try to see it from your side mm-hmm. and try to see them like through your eyes as opposed to like you know all of the various you know stories and insecurities and anxiety you know that I have about it but to just really see it through through the way that you see them and it often really helps me to feel better about it because I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Like I like that you that you get this from them and and that that you feel really good and you feel cherished and like all of these things like just helps me to feel feel better in those times that I haven't necessarily really understood why. Well and 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 it's a it's amazing how different what draws me to somebody is from from what threatens you about them. Yes. So you know, and and in fact, I, I know more than once you've you know you've uh, you've described somebody as like uh, a hotter version of you, and I've been like, uh, they're not hotter than you, and um and you know and 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 so uh, obviously our taste in people is also very different that you can, you can see somebody as, as hotter than you when, when to me, they, they clearly weren't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so it's great to, you know, like if we always it, it's always the refrain that comes back again, like talk about it. So insecurity is one of the things that often is one of the biggest things that drives jealousy. Um, And jealousy is going to be present when when there's a real feeling of a risk of loss. Yes, you know, and and whether that 
whether that risk of loss is um, is realistic or not yeah. really doesn't matter to our kind of jealous response. No, because it's just, you know, it's a part of the brain that's not, it's not coming from our reasonable <laughs> parts of yeah. our brain. It's, you know, it's completely coming from those, those reptile parts of the brain that are just, you know, like fear. Um, and it's often a case where I am much more jealous in relationships that feel less secure to me than in relationships that feel really secure. Yeah. So, you know, for the most part, I am less jealous of your relationships than I have been of others um, that I've had that, like, I just haven't felt as as comfortable and confident in our connection and that that they won't just find someone that is, you know, they like better than me, they have more in common with whatever. And it's not saying it can't help happen with you. But you know, we have, like, you know, a couple decades of, of, you know, um, uh, words navigating, uh, no, um, foundation, foundation, I'm like bedrock, that's not (laughs) it, um, of, of the foundation that we, you know, that we have. So I can draw on that, you know, when you have a mortgage with someone, it's, you know, harder (laughs) to imagine that it's as easy to be like, yeah, I think I like this other person better. And it's not saying it can't happen. But, you know, it just, we we have that foundation that that gives me the security, um, but when you know it's a newer relationship, when it's a long distance relationship, when all of these things come to play, um, you know it, things are are less stable, and it and it's more likely that that you know someone might with that they meet, you know, might just take more of their time and, and they click more with them. And then your relationship is, is going to fade to the side or, or end abruptly. Or, or even just, uh, you know, you're, you're competing for time and attention. Yeah. And, uh, and so they, they may have less, less availability. They may have, have some choices to make with their time, you know, and, if they're a long distance relationship that they may have uh, choices to make about, you know, how to, how to spend their travel time or their off time or mm-hmm. how to accommodate people coming in from out of town. And, yeah. um, you know, and, and you, you know, you talk, you talk about, about that foundation and it's um, there's, there's something that I think can, can help uh, alleviate jealous feelings. Um, people often f- talk about love as if it's sort of an objective or like a a finish line, Mm. but love is, love is just a feeling. Yeah. And, uh, but there's, there's a different facet of love. That's not a feeling that's more about choices and the, um, Mm -hmm. the things that you do to, uh, to express and reinforce that. And my, uh, my mom, uh, referred to this as uh, standing up love. It's what you what you do for love, and yeah. s- and so when you when you have uh, twenty years with somebody, you've you've had twenty years of opportunity to to demonstrate commitment. Yeah. And, you know, entwining your lives together is yeah. is an element of that. Um, but even for someone who's not a domestic partner, there are there are ways that you can that you can uh, do that standing up love that can help to alleviate, you know, feelings of insecurity and jealousy. And so that's, you know, and uh, often that might be learning about love languages and and how to express that to a partner and, you know, and showing commitment by talking about, talking about milestones, anniversaries, Mm -hmm. by, you know, by, um, 
by uh, traveling, by you know uh, sending small gifts or tokens, um, and just uh, you know, or or just expressing your commitment to the relationship that you have. Yeah, and although we we tend to see jealousy in a in a negative light most of the time, there can be hurt feelings yes. when someone isn't jealous. Um, you know, as I talked about the, you know, there needs to be a risk of loss there. And if someone isn't at all jealous, you might feel like they don't care if they lose you. Mm-hmm. Um, or that they might be relieved if you went away and just gave them a break for a while. <laughs> um, it's like, why don't you focus your attention that way? And um, so there can be there can be a lot of fear and anxiety related in a lack of jealousy as well as the presence of jealousy. Well, and and this is where this is another instance where talking might help because they may actually have uh, feelings of jealousy or envy that they don't express. Yes. E- either because they're relatively mild or they're processing them with somebody else uh, or they're just, you know, uh, clamping down and swallowing their feelings because, you know, that's that's what mature adults do, I guess. Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> but, you know, I have, you know, and, and the situation I was speaking of is when someone, you know, articulated specifically, n- no, you know, it's not you that I'm, that I'm feeling jealous about. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> mm. um, and, you know, it's like, it's good that they weren't having pain. Um but yeah, I did feel a little bit like, yeah, like it, I just, I wasn't someone that, that they were worried about losing or that if they'd lost me, they wouldn't feel a loss. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not sure where I fall on, on, on that because, you know, I think that a lot of that expectation of partners being jealous is something that can be very toxic and a holdover from monogamy. Yeah. It's like yeah. it's like this is how you express love is yes. by, you know, getting angry when your partner talks to somebody attractive and um, you know, and so I think that there's yeah, I think there's a lot of unhealthy toxic ideas around the expectation that our partner gets jealous. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. but but I also um, I, I also think that there is something where if um, if some if somebody if somebody doesn't value a relationship, yeah, they're they're probably not going to get jealous if they can take or leave it. They're mm-hmm. probably not going to get jealous. Actually, I don't know that I don't know if that's necessarily true. I'm thinking of of people I've known who, um, even though they were thinking about breaking up with somebody, yes, true. It's to be like still freaking out, you know, jealous because there's that. It's that possessive element. Yeah. So it's like I don't want it, but I don't want any, don't want anyone else to have it either. Yeah. 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 Or, or they were they were ready to drop it until jealousy oh, kind of you know yeah. activated that, and so they that, saw the value again. Yeah, yeah. but uh, but I've not in not in a way that I would have. Yeah, I, f- I felt like I encouraged them to to kind of look at that and think about you know what what that actually meant because yeah, I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like there's sort of a a subroutine related to <laughs> loss that gets activated that yes. you know overrides our other thoughts and feelings about something. Yeah, that makes sense. And sometimes the the insecurity piece that we were talking about can can kick in when someone is getting something that you want that you feel like you're not getting okay. out of a relationship. 
So whether it is they're getting a lot of quality time, and like it might be that you're not mes- you're not uh, nesting partners, and you know you see all of the time that that your partner and and their metamor spends like you know doing all of the the nesting domestic activities you know with the person that they live with, and you know you feel you feel some jealousy about that because yeah. that's not something that the two of you do together. Or maybe they're um, they're, pla- they're planning wedding or travel yeah. or or even just um, you, you, you know, know the snuggling on the couch every night yeah. you know watching Netflix or whatever. Um, and there's the opposite side of that that you know someone you know when someone's in a new relationship or they have like really specific sex dates with someone that the nesting partner who gets all of the domestic time and the cuddles and and that kind of intimacy is maybe not getting the voracious shagging and the you know the the organized date night that you know is almost always going to be sex that they feel that loss and so that's that can be the jealousy can kick up from either side in some of these situations and and neither negates the other no no and and ne- i think neither negates the other but also um there there are we we may have an idealized idea about yes. what that other person's time oh, yeah, is like for sure. right so we don't we don't see all the time that you know they're they're doing chores or arguing about finances or we don't see all, yeah. all the time that they're um you know that they're uh, uh comforting a a partner who's uh, who's crying or is, or is uh, grappling with with uh, mental illness or depression yeah yeah and that's the same like you know talking to your partner and learning more about it can can really help with that um and that's you know it's it's gonna come up that you just like you need to ask to have those needs met yeah if you feel like they're not being met and the problem with that is sometimes it's not going to happen um, no i like, mean we have we have the we have the right to have needs and we have the right to express them but we we don't have the absolute right to have those needs met yeah yeah um and but they're definitely not going to get mad if you don't <laughs> ask so yeah that's that's uh something that comes up with that so compersion is is kind of the other side of the coin. Um, it's I wouldn't describe it as the opposite of jealousy because I have often felt compersion and jealousy at exactly the same time about the exact situation, like yeah. the exact same situation. <laughs> um, like that when, is a weird feeling. Yes, when you and Iris travel together, um, I have felt both you know compersion, like really happy that you two are going to have this experience together and it's going to like bring you closer and you're going to you know have all this wonderful time but also like being jealous as fuck mm-hmm. um that that you know you're having these experiences with someone else you know like going to the grand canyon for the first time you know when we'd always had all of these kinds of milestones together so you know having that milestone with someone else like i was i was really jealous about but also thrilled for you and yeah it's weird to hold both of those uh paradoxical feelings at the same time so um maybe we should talk a bit about what compersion is if it's not the opposite of jealousy Hmm. Yeah, it's it's for me, it's often just like this warm feeling that I have a warm feeling or a happiness um, that I that I have when you are are having pleasure, either through like, you know, physical pleasure or, or just through experiences and getting to have love and special things done uh, 
you know, for you and and you with someone else getting to have these experiences. It's it's that warm, like, yay, you know, I'm happy for them kind of feeling, um, as opposed to oh. Well, and and it can it can have a variety of feelings and a, and different intensities, yes. right? Just it's, like jealousy, just like jealousy, and um, and just like jealousy, it might just kind of uh, like where jealousy might get get that little pinch with um, with uh, with compersion, you might just get that little flutter, yeah. or you might you might just kind of feel a, a slight you know sort of uh, feeling of approval or happiness. I think I think for me, sort of the first. Um, the first feelings of compersion that I started to experience was was really just a, a, a sense of, of approval and mm. positivity about uh, about other relationships, about my partner's other relationships, and um, you know, and when it's more intense, it can be it can be very similar to experiencing firsthand love, like yeah. those you know the sort of the. The feelings of, of uh, swooning and sort of you know warm and happy and just that that kind of uh, the kind of melty feeling that you can get when you're crushing on somebody that's very similar to what intense compersion can be like. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Um, one of the other terms that's sometimes used for it that I really hate, but I think sort of just sort of almost is that almost an onomatopoeia um, is frubbly. <laughs> That someone's feeling frubbles or something um, that, yeah, it's, it's one of those sort of goofy um, made up words that, um, that I've heard. Used I don't want to polyamorous circles. I don't want to trash other people's terminology, but it's, it's kind of hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> thought you'd enjoy that one. I don't know. If, I don't know if I could use that without no. giggling. No, I couldn't. Uh, I mean, it took me a long time to be able to use the word compersion. Yeah. I, I had a lot of aversion to, to terminology for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. We 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 fought, fought the jargon for a while, but <laughs> the jargon won. And you know, and and just like with jealousy, uh compersion may be intermittent and it may be different for different partners. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. We, we may we may have a lot of compersion for a long distance partner. Um, you know, because that that can be one of one of the ways that we can experience a lot of emotional joy with them, but we may not have as much compersion for our uh, our nesting partner or a long term partner because of the kind of you know threat to the sort of the foundation of our life, or vice versa. Yeah, you you might you might have trouble feeling good about your your long distance partner because it's like, well, what if they fall head over heels and just don't have any time for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, one of the other ways that we've sometimes, uh, you know, expressed compersion is, is being a wing person. Yes. Um, it's like setting your person up with, with other people and being like, oh, you know what? I know somebody. Um, and that can, that can really generate some really wonderful, warm, compersive feelings um, when, when, you, uh, when you get to act as the wing person. Have you met? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, hey, maybe you should show so and so our room. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah and it's like sometimes wing personing can be an important way of supporting our partner because uh, if you know whether they're inherently um, uh, introverted or not, there might be a situation where they're 
they're just, you know, nervous and having trouble yeah. kind of, you know, initiating or, mm-hmm. you know, kind of getting over uh, being Twitterpated. And so, yeah, just kind of helping to give them a nudge. And, uh, or, and, and it also helps them to, uh, to kind of um, get, get some momentum past any anxiety they might be having about our feelings or, or response to this connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I had an interesting experience of a metamor being a wing person for me. Yeah, um, with with my mermaid. Um, mm-hmm. That um, you know, my mermaid and the metamor were hanging out, and she knew that I I liked this person, and so she arranged for us to all hang out one day doing stuff she didn't actually like doing, <laughs> <laughs> and it you know it allowed me to get over my like my fear and just blank out brain of like how pretty and and intimidated I you know I was by this person because I was just like oh she's so cool and pretty and I don't know I can't talk to her um and so you know by spending the day together like you know we actually got to know one another and and then yeah I asked her out and here we are um so yeah it can it can be a really cool way to to interact, you know, with both your partner or sometimes with with your partner's partners. I think uh, one one uh, common element of compersion, uh, you know, especially with people who are really slutty, is like fetishizing your partner's sexuality. Yes. So, like, you know, getting off on them, being being with somebody else, either you know when we can witness it or just in general, and then mm-hmm. you know hearing about the the dirty stuff later, you know, and and often. Uh, it can be, you know, it can be really intoxicating seeing our partner sort of, you know, uh, experiencing intense pleasure with somebody else. Oh, yeah. And it can, it's how some people, you know, manage their own jealousy. Yes. You know, we have a good friend who, who really, you know, would, would channel that fetishizing of her jealousy um, into, you know, a lot of pleasure and, and have it be, you know, become a kind of a kink thing where yeah. she was feeling very submissive um, and, and you know, humiliated, but, but really getting off on that submissive humiliation in that situation. And that was something I didn't understand until I felt it. And I've only ever felt that with one particular partner, but it was a way that I, it helped me a little bit to get over those jealous feelings that I was having with him was, was having this like fantasy scenario in my head of, of being, you know, um, sort of disregarded and all those things that I had kind of been feeling in the bad way. Um, I was able to generate this sexy fantasy and yeah, it was, it was really quite overpowering and, um, and profound to have that, that situation I think one of the one of the things that made me feel like maybe I didn't uh, get compersion was that I didn't I didn't feel that that um, that that uh, sort of sexual charge okay. um, and uh, you know and, and I did and and really um, those sort of situations tend just tended to be kind of pinchy for me mm-hmm. and uh, and so. I th- for a long time I thought that I just 
didn't get compersion. But um, but I, I think in reality, it's just it may not be immediate for you. You yeah. may not you may not have experienced the the metamor that provokes feelings of compersion. You may not just sort of um, have have kind of um, adapted to sort of the weirdness of the life yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. So yeah, I I would uh, I would I would say to people who are you know are feeling weird about not experiencing compersion, you know uh, maybe maybe it just hasn't hasn't happened yet, or you know maybe maybe it's there and you're just not recognizing it because of the other you know you might think that the um, the jealousies or um, or insecurities that you have are overshadowing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, little things like you know setting up the the house for a date yeah Um, you know can be these these you know sort of acts of compersion that you don't necessarily you know grok are that at the time and i think that was something that you you did a lot for me was you know setting everything up and making sure you know condoms and lube and and throws and everything was ready yeah lighting um and, and yeah like in you know that was that was something that you did sort of before you really realized that that was something that you felt good about you know, feeling that connection um, with, you know, my date through that way. So, yeah, it's a kind of cool thing. So, um, one of the, one of the things that has a, a tricky relationship with jealousy is NRE, new relationship energy. Yes. It's, uh, NRE is, it's all, it's also known as infatuation. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of people actually don't, uh, who know about NRE don't really realize that that's the same thing that people call infatuation. They're mm. just like, you know, hey, hey, new relationship, yay. But, um, but yeah, it's that experience of being drunk on hormones. Yeah. It's, um, it really is a very, uh, you know, emotionally intense uh, period in, in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you were, you were altered. Oh, yeah. Like, your brain chemistry is seriously altered. And, and that, yeah, that can really provo- provoke some challenging feelings, you know, um, both for the person who is experiencing being all love drunk and, and for their partners, you know, having, you know, one of their people like just kind of out of it and, and just so like fixated on this new person and, you know, they might just be really pushed to the side um, without their partner being conscious of them doing that yeah 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 the, the, it can it can really be uh be a time of distorted judgment yes uh i've seen i've seen more than one person where when they were in nre they would be gushing to one of their partners about this other new relationship yeah and completely clueless to the fact that they're that you know this this was way more than their partner wanted to hear and yeah. and it was obvious to everybody else yes um but you know and and then even sort of privately called on it you know like like oh no they're they're they, they, you know they're, they're so supportive they're so supportive and they're really it turns them on and then and it's it's like uh you i don't know if you actually looked at and saw the look on their face yeah it's um now nre we Often in non-monogamy, we think of NRE as just that, you know, that 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 wonderful feeling of, you know, of that new relationship. But um, there's there's a downside to it as well. Not just the, the poor judgment, but also 
the cycling back between the euphoria to feelings of dread and anxiety yeah. and insecurity. And uh, and often it, it's it's like that where yeah. uh, it's like, you know, oh, a guy's so happy and sending, you know, uh, lovey-dovey messages or sexy pictures. And then it's like, oh, my God, they read that message and they haven't replied. It's yes. been two hours. It's been three hours. And, you know, oh, my God, why did I send that? Yeah. Um, they, you know, um, and uh, and that, that sort of hypervigilance. You yes. know, it's like, oh, I haven't heard from them since last night. What did I do? What was it that I said? Yeah. And, um, you know, and then and then when they get back to us, you know, and uh, the, the sort of the flooding back. Of yeah, the, the relief. And yes. That, and that reconnection. And, yeah, it it's it's quite an experience. And it and even though it's called new relationship energy, it doesn't mean that. It only happens in like at the very beginning of relationships. You know, some relationships, this might go on for years. And yes. I think especially in long distance relationships, I think that it's really prolonged because you don't get that the togetherness time where you get to really solidify and kind of get that anchor. Yeah. Happening. yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it can go on for years and years that that you are are in this, you know, that cycling back and forth kind of phase of like feeling really great because you had all this connected time and then like why haven't they messaged me in 2 days and like holy shit. Um so that can that can happen despite the name, it you know, it doesn't always mean that it's right at the very beginning. No, I I think that uh I think that that NRE can be brief. Um you know, it can be uh weeks or months. I don't think it's unusual for it to be one to two years mm-hmm. and uh, and occasionally even longer. Yeah. And I think, you know, in our in the sort of monogamous culture that we were raised in, this is the point. This is the time that people think of as love. Yes. Um, so, you know, this is the beginning of a relationship, the honeymoon phase. Yeah. Um, and this is what people think of when they think of love, just that euphoric feeling and it it means that you know when they then you know they've kind of stopped feeling that for their long-term partner because it's impossible to sustain <laughs> um it's just not the way our brains work with the chemicals uh that when you start feeling that for someone else it's like oh well i'm in love with this person so mm-hmm. i clearly don't love the pre you know the my current partner and and so yeah we've been taught that through monogamy that that this is love so you know it's no surprise um you know that the chemical soup of it you know really um just sucks us in yeah i think um i've i've always been sort of aware of having the capacity to have you know attractions for multiple people and i've been honest with myself about that uh, even when I was monogamous, and I think, I think that really helped because it's like it's like oh yeah, I'm just this is just like an office crush. It's no big yeah. deal, and so it uh, it kind of helps to um, to kind of acknowledge the the choices that you've made to um, to kind of demote those feelings a little bit and make you know uh, so so you know that they're just feelings and the mm-hmm. you know the the choices and and commitments that you've made. Uh, are are usually uh, way more important if you actually stop to think about it. Mm-hmm. So new relationships can feel more vulnerable and and 
in fact are. We talked about that a little bit earlier that, um, you know, we're, we're often going to feel more jealous with a new partner um, versus with a long-term relationship, just, you know, as the competition for, for their limited time, because that's always, you know, the polyamory uh, saying that love may be infinite, uh, but time, time is, is not. not. And, and also that it's not a competition, but it totally is. <laughs> <laughs> There's a... a and even some of the feelings that seem irrational, like, uh, like, oh, my God, I, I, if I say the wrong thing, this could be over. Well, that, that could be true. In a really new relationship, it could be like, oh, my God, you're a Republican? I mean, you, like, yeah. there, you could find out that, uh, that there's a deal breaker or something that you say because you don't have a, a real foundation um, if you, you know, if you offend them and hurt their feelings in a certain way, that could switch the whole thing off yeah. that they, and, and it could be over. Um, so a lot of that, a lot of that insecurity that we feel and hypervigilance, it's, it's not actually irrational. It's, yeah. it's realistic. But one of the things that, that, um, that I try to remember in that phase is that if, uh, you know when I'm and when I'm having that that panicky feeling of oh my god you know wh- wh- why you know what if I said what this you know we're we're disagreeing about this um, if our relationship is so fragile that this ends it then it was doomed yeah if it wasn't this it would have been something else in a week or a month yeah um, so uh, so try to keep that in mind if you're um, if you're if you're in NRE and you're feeling panicky, try to have some confidence about um, if the relationship um, is going to have any longevity. That these things won't matter, and if they did, if they do matter, then then it it was it was inevitable. You mm-hmm. you really were so. Um, I, I it's easier said than done. Yeah. But but it does help to to keep that in mind. Yeah. And I mean, I, I spent the first like 10 years that we were together being sure that every day that that was the day I was going to say the wrong thing and you were going to dump me, <laughs> you know? Um, so eventually, you know, as long as you have 10 years to, to, <laughs> to spend. <laughs> wow, anxiety is hilarious. <laughs> so what are some typical things that make us jealous? Well, especially, you know, in in long-term relationships, when you see your partner having milestones with their other relationships that are becoming possibly long-term. Uh, so, um, so, you know, anniversaries and that kind of thing. Um, or, you know, it can also be just like they're all the firsts that they're having with right. somebody else. Um Right, so the first fir- trip out of town. Yeah, the first sleepover. First, maybe they go to their first play party without you. Mm. Um, I mean, you don't know about je- being jealous about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I and um, and and I think that uh, you, you know you sort of mentioned uh, in relationship to to long term partners, but I I don't think this is exclusive to that. I think sort of any. Yeah, regardless, uh, regardless of uh, other relationships, the I think these milestones can be very provoking, mm-hmm. you know, and things like um, uh, things like a, a partner moving in with somebody, yeah. or um, uh, or even um, other milestones like 
maybe a relationship breaks up. What yeah. does that mean? Yeah. Um, or uh, or when when a partner becomes long term, whatever that means, whether it's a year or two years or three mm-hmm. years or uh, or or gets a label or like, gets a label. Yeah. You know, this is my girlfriend, or even like this is my partner. We always use that just interchangeably for everything because it might mean sexual partner, life partner, um, you know, romantic partner. Um, but a lot of people have that only for life partner, and so when someone gets that label. Um, that, you know, that can feel like, you know, they're taking a step in that relationship escalator and and that can feel really big and, and really threatening. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, some of there are some things that are kind of particular to the non-monogamy journey. So it's like um, as your if your relationship is um, is going through different phases. So, you know, as as your relationship is going through milestones, you might experience new jealousies because of the sort of the difficulties of, na- of navigating that or in sort of uh, traversing different types of non-monogamy. So yeah. if we're, you know, if we are uh, swingers, but we're starting to date people separately mm-hmm. or we're starting to have, you know, uh, serious relationships outside of our binary relationship um, or, um, or conversely, if, um, you know, if we if we've had long term polyamorous partners, but we're starting to you know maybe like you know have group sex or mm-hmm. casual sex or tr- you know uh, travel for sex parties or something, you know these are these are things that can provoke new and exciting uh, jealousies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and as we were talking about, you know, them getting some sort of label that also, you know, pet names and inside jokes can, yeah. can be a thing. Uh, and yeah, this is a, an interesting one that I've experienced and, and still have a lot of angst over uh, because I've all... I've felt some threats when things that I've felt like were ours have been shared with someone else and, you know, I maybe got like a certain sort of weird, you know, emoji back from someone in a certain way that I was like, hang on, that was our thing. And, and, you know, have felt a little bit weird about that. But I've also felt weird um, when you have used a pet name with someone that we would never have used Mm. on one another. And we in fact mocked people for using with one another. And when you started using it with, with a partner, it, it really, it really blew my mind, and I and I still haven't figured out how I feel about it and and what to do about my feelings, other than I guess suck them up. Um, See, and and I, whereas I feel like I have gone out of my way to use pet names with partners that I don't use with yeah. other partners. Yeah, and it, it's often like both of them, you know, can can hit. In, in certain ways and it, it can be really quite strange how you know how there like there's never any right yeah. answer to <laughs> any of these issues <laughs> alas yeah and uh, and things like um, our our partner expressing love mm-hmm. you know in, in uh, you know in in those terms it, it's very different to to talk about really caring some for somebody being into them and actually talk about being in love with somebody or hear our metamor expressing the same to our, to our partner. Yeah. 
And there can be like the intensity of that as well, like hearing someone say, I love you versus hearing someone say, you know, love you always and forever or something like that. And there can be like just that record scratch kind of moment there. It's like, what? Like, how dare you say that to my husband? Um, And then it's like, well, they're not saying that to my husband. They're saying that to their partner. Um, But but yeah, we can often have those just like, you know, that that gut punch moment of the jealousy come in before we have to, we, you know, we analyze all the pieces and, and figure out our reaction there. Um, but all of those moments can, can definitely, uh, you know, lead to, to some, you know, really deep, jealous feelings. It's interesting that uh, you, you can kind of talk about expressions of love uh, from metamors because um, it, something that can that can be painful is um, hearing um, is if um, our partner is expressing love to their metamor, our other partner in a, in a way that is, you know, so maybe they haven't felt ready to say, I love you to us, or they, they're reserved about how they express love. Yeah. And then hearing them say, you know, I love you to, to our, to our partner um, in a way that's that's uh, unselfconscious and yeah. and uh, you know and unfettered that in a way they don't uh, they don't with us that can be very painful because it it sort of um, illustrates uh, some of the uh, some of the challenges with with the intimacy that we have with with that partner and um, uh, you know and and so yeah feeling feeling like an an outsider between yes. between those metamors can be a can be a very painful sensation mhm yeah and there's also sometimes you know with the wonders of of social media and that sort of thing they might you know go on and on about their nesting partner on social media and express a lot of love for them there but maybe never say that kind of thing about you or you might they might not be necessarily out about your relationship yeah in they, that they, same kind of way it's true they they could actually be out as non-monogamous yes but not out with any partners but the one that they they're socially monogamous with yeah and um you know and and that's that's tough and that's that's a um that's a painful scenario where um we you know, we might crave that, you know, that acknowledgement. And like, I want you to post photos of us together, as opposed to only ever posting photos, you know, of the of you two together. Like, you know, why, you know, why does it feel like I'm kind of secret in Mm -hmm. this situation? I think both of both of us have, you know, as a child experienced that, you know, secret best friend thing, where somebody was, you know, really, a really great friend to us when it was just us mm-hmm. but then at school they they freaking picked on us and we're we're super shitty yeah yeah so it can really like living in that in that feeling of of you know being appreciated in certain cir- circumstances but not in others and but not feeling comfortable like asking for more mm-hmm. um because you don't want to be needy <laughs> So, um, one of the ways people try to cope with jealousy is by structuring rules in their relationship. Well, it totally works. It super duper works. Yeah. Yeah, You will never feel jealousy as long as you make the right rules. Yeah. You just need a really, really long list. You need a really good rule. End of podcast. (laughs) Um, yeah. In, in reality, I think, uh, I think rules can be, 
uh, can be a useful way of kind of expressing uh, certain needs. So, okay, here's here's something that I'm afraid of. Here's some uh, here's some ideas for how to manage that. Mm-hmm. But um, but the uh, they they fail when rules are substituted for communication. Yes. Where um, where instead of talking about um, about how I feel. Um, I just um, I just point out how you transgress the rules, or um, or ha- you know um, rules rules tend to get uh, subverted um, when they're substituted for communication. So it's like you you kind of do everything right up to the edge of the rule uh, without actually breaching it, or you obey the letter of the rule rather than the int- intent. There there are just um, uh, there are just so many ways that rules. Um, won't work if you're not using them in tandem with with communication. For for me, I feel like having rules about communication is is really the best way to go. Like we talk about these things when this happens, we yeah. talk about this. We, you know we and um, and that's that's kind of the best case scenario for for rules for me. I feel like anytime the rules are are kind of wielded against our our partner. Uh, they they fail. They need to be up for negotiation. We can't just say, you know, when someone brings, uh, you know, uh, say someone says, you know, uh, I feel like I'd like to um, to spend a couple days out of town with so and so, and your response is, our rule is no no overnights. Yeah, and it's like, well, I'm I'm bringing this up because I want to renegotiate this. Yeah, and rules need to be available for renegotiation. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a difference between rules and boundaries, yes. like because rules are are a set of restrictions that you put on someone else. Yes. Whereas boundaries are restrictions that are related to you. So a good example of that would be that you know uh, we could have a rule that says like you're not allowed to fluid bond with someone else. Right. Whereas I you know I could set a boundary that it's like if you choose to fluid bond with other people then we need to use barriers. Right. So it's like I, you know, and and essentially like it might it might have the same result that that we stay fluid bonded and you don't with others or it might not. Um but it's, you know, it's about stating like a thing that you have to do versus a thing that that I am setting for myself. Yeah, I I feel like um I feel like rules rules tend to work really well um until until somebody really wants to do the thing yes. that the, the rule prohibits. Yeah, because you can, you know, you can obey the rule without obeying the spirit of the rule. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, like, it's it's very easy to work around things if if you really want to and, and to just come at it and say, like, well, I didn't break the rule yeah. um, is, is, you know, not going to to get people feeling good about the situation. So no. And, and the other thing that happens is rules, rules can also be used, um, used as a way of, uh, of shutting somebody up. So it's like, you know, I'm, I'm having some difficult feelings about, you know, this, this relationship of yours and the response might be, I'm following the rules. You have nothing. You have no reason to be upset yeah. because I'm following the rules. And um, yeah, it's it's really um, shutting someone's feelings down 
um, for for any reason, but especially you know using using the rules as leverage. Yeah, and and you know it always comes back to communication because like if you're not able to communicate, not able to to talk things out, you know even when they're scary and even when they're they're painful, you know like you're just you're pretty much not in a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you're more like in a hostage situation or something yeah. um, because it's just not, you're just not connecting. So what are some things that do help with jealousy? Um, you, you know, kind of talked earlier on about how, um, how uh, feeding jealousy can, and sort of giving into those fears can, can just make it worse. So what are some ways that we can, we can alleviate that pain and, and insecurity? Well, I, I find that, you know, as we were just saying, talking about it, like I, if I have jealous feelings and I don't express them, they fester. Yep. And so like, you got to expose them to the light so that, that, you know, you can often, you know, let go of them because so often it's been a circumstance where I've felt all these jealous feelings and we've talked about it. I've completely misunderstood the situation, Mm -hmm. um, or, or just getting that reassurance and figuring out like how to get that need met that is currently, you know, leading to, to pinging all of those jealous feelings. Um, you know, just it helps to, to get to the root of it, because that's always where we need to figure out because you can't, you can't just solve it from the surface and just kind of tamp it down, you, you know, coming to it from the, the root of the issue is, is really the only way I've effectively figured out how to let go of some of those jealousies for me often even just the act of expressing it oh, almost always alleviates almost all of the the bad feeling so um it's that that feeling of loneliness and that feeling of shame of you mm. know uh of having those feelings um and you know, and and expressing them, and feeling the you know the love and compassion of uh, the partner, um, that that's usually enough. So you know, often our our fear is you know we have to change something or do something. Mm-hmm. Often, all we have to do is you know is talk about it and give our opportunity, give our partner an opportunity to to just give us some reassurance. Mm-hmm. Usually, that's that's going to be enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and not being afraid to ask for something different if you've already asked for something right. and that didn't work. Yep. Because uh, we often are like, oh, well, you know, I asked for such and such to be um, a way to reassure me. And it turns out that that didn't actually help in any way. Um, and so... But I've already asked for that, so you know I've used up my ask kind of thing. Um, it's like no, you need to be able to. Sometimes when we get what we ask for, it makes things worse. Yes. But we're like, oh well, we're stuck with this. This yes. is this is it for the rest of our lives. Yeah, for sure. So you know, being being able to ask again if something doesn't work, and and you know, if your partner asks again after you've you know gone out of your way for something, attempting to be as as kind about it as yeah. possible, and you know, I, I we're not always we don't always have a lot of emotional bandwidth for kindness, especially, you know, with a long-term partner, we tend to um, be less able to generate that sort of thing. But, but attempting to, to, you know, get there for that, for them in that situation can really help, you know, everyone find 
a, a, a solution where, where you all get to feel good. I think one of the most important things to remember is that feeling jealousy does not mean that we were wronged. Yes. It doesn't mean that our partner has done something wrong. It doesn't mean that um, that we have been betrayed. That that feeling is just a feeling of insecurity, and it's about an uh, an unmet need or fear. Um, so we 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 just have to make sure that we don't come at our partner with you know accusations mm-hmm. and you uh, did this. Yeah, it's not it's not something they did. It's it's a feeling that we're experiencing. Hmm. Yeah, and asking for that help and support um, or offering it. Like, if you can tell your partner is suffering. And again, like, we tend to, I think in non-monogamy sometimes, like, we've got so much focus on, on, on the self being responsible for things. Like, you know, as you said, like, it, you know, it's not the other person's fault that you're feeling it, but you don't have to do it all alone. Yeah, it, it's, there's... um I feel like some people take the idea of that we need to own our own shit as to mean we we don't process these emotions together. We yeah. don't, you know, and um and you know and, and as as someone's partner, I think it's it's important to me that um that they're feeling that they're feeling safe and happy and you know, I I want I want to to help them through this as I can. Mhm. You know, it's it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to have to have these feelings. You know, yeah. um, you don't need to be ashamed about them. Uh, often, your often sharing them with our partner will find out uh, how they're experiencing something very similar, and mm-hmm. you know, and that can that can help us to feel connected. Um, if you know, if you're having trouble expressing it with the partner that the jealousy is related to, um, you know, maybe start by talking about it with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just just to just to kind of um, uh, un uh, unclog the uh, the logjam a little bit, mm-hmm. and you know, and maybe that'll make it a little bit easier to to uh, to bring it up. Hmm. Yeah, and I think you know as I was talking about earlier, like attempting to see your partner's actions in the most loving light you can. Right. Um, Because, you know, generally people are not doing things to deliberately hurt one another. Like, you know, that's, that's not why we're in relationships. You know, the, there are some really, you know, unwell people in their brains that, that do that. But, you know, generally we're, we're, we're in this together because we love each other and we want to be, want to be kind and and we want to have these these relationships so you know attempting to see these things that might be causing you pain in a loving light can can really also help you you know come at it from a less from a less fearful place and um allow you to you know get around these emotions and and talk about them and and come to a, a place of, of understanding and, and hopefully resolve some of the, the feelings that are, are just not very fun. One, one thing I think that can really, that can really help is to, um, is to be honest, even if we can't be transparent. So, um, if your partner asks what's bothering you and say, you know, rather than saying nothing, mm which, you know, really stomps on their, their emotional intuition Yeah. Um, to, to say, yeah, I'm, I'm having a tough time right now. I don't, I don't know if I really want to talk about it 
at the moment um, or or say, you know, um, can you maybe ask me tomorrow? Um, yeah. And and just find a way to to kind of, you know, validate what they've what they've observed. Um, but, you know, still kind of um, protect ourselves if that's what we need at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And the, you know, OK to be not OK. I've I found that saying like, I'm not OK right now, but I will be. Yeah. And so just acknowledging that that, you know, the thing that you're reading is accurate. Uh, but, you know, that I'm I'm working my way through it and, and I'm going to get there is really has really helped us us communicate better about that stuff when when we're not really up for sharing right that moment. And you can always ask us. Just send 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 us an email or tweet us if uh, you know if you're having trouble expressing it or or want to want to figure out how to how to uh, prompt prompt it with your partner. Yeah, for sure. We love we love hearing from people. That's what I'm here for. Thanks for listening. Please help us get into the ear holes of more listeners by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast platforms. It only takes a couple minutes and you don't know what a difference it makes to our visibility and to let other people find us. You can join a wonderful, sexy group of people by contributing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash on the wet coast. Follow us on Twitter at wet coast cat at serious flick at on the wet coast. Email us comments or questions to contact at on the wet coast.com. And go to onthewetcoast.com for Kat's blog and more, or find them over at lifeontheswingset.com. And you can get Kat Stark's book. I always say Kat Stark. I don't know. Get Kat Stark's book, Yelling in Pasties, The Wet Coast Confessions of an Anxious Slut, available now on ebook and paperback. Go to amazon.com or visit onthewetcoast.com for links to other marketplaces. And check out the other awesome sex-positive podcasts on the Swingset Network at swingset.fm. Hi, this is Princess Callie, author of Enough to Make You Blush and founder of kinkacademy.com. You're listening to a Swing Set podcast at swingset.fm. Hey there, this is Bradford. And this is Angela. And we are the Atoms of Love. We're the hosts of By the By, a raw and honest weekly podcast weaving bisexuality with swinging, kink, polyamory, and marriage into a happy and healthy relationship. We discuss topics such as jealousy, communication, and oh yes, adventurous sex. And occasionally, a beatboxing Yoda. It, it's worse than what you're imagining. It is. <laughs> For us, nothing is off limits as we subscribe to the Try Everything Twice philosophy. And we are always excited to share our experiences and advice with our listeners. So swing on by swingset.fm or wherever you subscribe to your favorite podcasts. Podcasts.